latest vinyl analysis, we talked to Columbus music legend Colin Gowell, Everything Cheap Trick. Cheap Trick albums would just kind of come and go and be hit or miss, right? When you're young and that age, you just love your band so much, you'll just look through the faults. You know what I mean? So, oh, yeah. But, but yeah. I'll tell you, to it's this It's called 5150, day, Colin, but that's yeah, for another yeah, discussion. Yeah, exactly, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Final analysis. I am your host, Arch Madness, along with me, producer Greg Hansberry. What's up, Greg? Yo. Yeah, episode two, season two. Now, before we get to uh, today's guest, and, and this record that we're going to discuss, you know how this works, gang. We're hardly probably even going to touch on this because this cat, it, you just wait. Wait till I introduce him. The but we've got just a reason to get it together. It really is. There's a reason yeah. to get him in here. But we're going to talk Cheap Tricks, Standing on the Edge, released in October of uh, 1985. You had three singles released, uh, one single remembered, <laughs> Tonight It's You, Little Sister, and How About You. But this gentleman's uh, standing to my left. He is uh, hes a musician. He's a singer, songwriter. He's a, hes a businessman. I think he was the fucking Cavs GM for about three months, too, Greg. I don't know if you knew this wow. or not. Yeah. He's, he's, he's only, only when LeBron came he's, back. He's, I was going to say, <laughs> pre or, or post LeBron. Colin Gowell joining us in studio here at the uh, Vinyl Analysis Studios. What's uh, up, Colin? Oh, man, this is awesome. Yeah, this is just uh, this is a blast. Thanks for having me, guys. It, this it, is perfect. Colin, I, I was telling you uh, before we even uh, popped open the mics here, uh, we have mutual friends. We have uh, You have fans of your band and uh, bands and, and people that listen to me. And when I say stuff, they'll say, man, you and Colin need to hook up. You guys need to do something together. So, uh, Colin... Here's the deal, and I don't want to, I don't want to gloss over your career, but there's so much stuff to cover, man. I want to make sure that you and I get a chance sure. to talk music. All right. All right. So let's let's just start with Watershed, just yep. if you can. And I know people listening to this are going to be like, "Holy shit, that's calling from Watershed," because you know, outside of Columbus, Ohio, people are going to be like, "What the?" F-? Anyway, talk to us real quickly about Watershed, if you can. Watershed is the main band, started in Worthington, Ohio, when I was in fourth grade, and then we used to take the bus down to High Street, Chittenden, all those places. Yeah, baby. We'd buy records with our, we'd buy our paper out money, because we had the bus. We started a band, me and uh, Joey Strike and Herb, and eventually we ended up coming, we kept our whole band together, went to Ohio State, played Bernie's, and we got signed to labels, and we toured, and we do that, and we did that whole thing our whole life, and we still do it. And that's Watershed's kind of been the love of my life. We saw Cheap Trick at a concert and said, we're going to start a band like Cheap Trick. And that's what we did. And we, you know, and there's a book Joe wrote called Hitless Wonder. It's all about Watershed. So pick it up. And it's a great book, but it's got all kind of local stuff in it, too. So you can literally read a whole book about Watershed if you're interested. And we can, down the line, in other episodes, we can revisit that because that doesn't even do it justice. You guys are power pop. You're just, there are so many bands in the power pop genre, said the guy wearing a Chips Enough shirt, who just make great music, and it you get to a certain point, it's tough. It's a tough, 
that's a tough avenue to break into. Oh, yeah. I mean, Especially you, that that type of music, man. You know, you got to be, you know, you're, if you're a song band, there's not really a scene for you. Like, we were never really a jam band. You know, we were probably the only band that, like, toured with the Smithereens, Hootie and the Blowfish, and the Insane Clown Posse. You know what I mean? No, you know, no, whoop, whoop. You know yeah. and no one knew. But, you know, that if they hear your songs, they like you. If you're, It's hard to get on the radio if you're a song band. You know what I mean? Right. If you're a jam band, there's kind of a scene... If you're a punk band, there's kind of a scene. If you're reggae, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, we try to make good songs, good records, you know, kind of like Cheap Trick, and then go out live, kind of turn the amps up and crank them out. And that was always kind of our thing, you know? Would you say that... Uh, where where do we start with Power Pop? And here here goes the ADD. I mean, is is Cheap Trick... is Because everything's kind of beetled out. I mean, I think of, like, a bad finger or... I mean, what yeah. there's a there's it has a lot of branches when yeah. it comes to power pop and and what influences the artists who who make that kind of music. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I can speak for myself. I was always Watershed always followed directly from the Cheap Trick Power Pop branch, which I would say is kind of down from the Kinks one. Where there's Kinks, there's moments yeah. there's True moments that. of power pop, but there's also moments of darkness and heaviness. Uh, and I feel like that's kind of where are we? Like we're not a pure power pop band, like maybe someone like Badfinger would be, or like. I don't know, like shoes or, you know, maybe even the cars. You know, I don't know. Maybe that's not a good example. But, you know, I, that's always been to me kind of my power pop thing where there's, there's two-minute gems, but there's also some quirkiness. Like Cheap Trick has, like, you know, Need Your Love. Like, that's not a power pop song. No, no I feel you. I feel so you. I, I kind of, yeah. like, I get a little bored straight, straight up power pop, although... I love it, but I'm not, you know, there's that, like, like that jellyfish kind of school. My God, dude, he just yeah. read my mind. Yeah. I was getting ready to bring yeah. up jellyfish. Yeah. You know, where everything's too nice. But I like that. Oh, Andy. But that's, oh. you know, but I'm, a, I'm kind of a King's Cheap Trick guy. And even, like, replacements, I'd say you could kind of. There's another one. You could kind of shoehorn them in there. Are they a power pop band? They have moments, but they also kind of move into, like, some different areas. So that, How important was Paul Westerberg to you? Oh, huge. I, I mean, mean, probably my favorite songwriters are, like, Chuck Berry, Paul Westerberg, Ray Davies. You know, right off the you know, right off the top, those are my top three. Yeah, it's you know? just that's there's that's see yeah. that's the quintessence. That's one of those power pop bands who made and you know I don't I don't want to label everybody power pop, but yeah. but like you just said, there's something in common yeah. with with these groups and yeah. and another guy and and I kind of over the years I've kind of I'm a rock fan, so I group a lot of people together. So yeah. don't take offense to huh. this. Uh, a cat by the name of Butch Walker sure. is another guy that I've Absolutely. always kind of, with Watershed and in like Marvelous Three and 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 some of the stuff that Butch, I can hear a a top forty song that Butch wrote, and I can tell that's a Butch Walker song. Absolutely, you know, you know what I mean. Butch, like Butch being out of Atlanta when Watershed was doing our thing, we would record with a guy named Tim Padlin. We did a couple records up in Michigan, and he's a really great producer, but he was kind of. The Butch Walker of that area, like yeah. he Sponge Records, and we go to Atlanta, and you know we we knew Butch a little a little bit, uh, but you know like I said, we were always aware of that stuff because you know it was a small group of bands. Marvelous Three were doing what mm. Watershed was trying to do and doing it better, I might add. But like no, those but, no, but, you your records were solid too, yeah. man. And 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 but uh, yeah, those but, those you know, first couple of them right away because it's Kindred Spirits. You know yeah. what I mean? He's trying to make great little rock songs, rock records. Really talented guy. You know, so it's good to see all the success he's had for sure. So. Now, let's also talk about another project of yours, uh, the Dead Schimbecklers. I don't know those guys, man. I mean, okay, fair <laughs> enough. It's one of those deals. Yeah, this is, you, yeah, this is like late 70s. You're not going to catch uh, Gene and Paul without their yeah, makeup, right? you can hear right? Power Pop in there on moments, no, too. No, 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 you know? no. But this has nothing to do with no, Power Pop. It just happens to do with your career and and, yeah. and, and Lou Brutus, who I... Uh, yeah. What radio guy isn't a fan yeah. of Lou and, and the name that he's made for himself? Yeah. I mean, he's, so, he, he's a maniac, man. I mean, he's crazy, and we... Here, okay, here's All a story. Right. Here's All a right. great story. The Dead Schembecklers were formed 
Joe and I went out to XM Sirius because they were doing a cheap trick uh, Budokan Revisited show in the studio. Gotcha. Jack Douglas is going to mix it, right? Yeah, Lee's man. Like, and we're buddies because we met when he was in Chicago. He's a Watershed fan. Hey, I'm starting to do this punk rock station on Sirius called Fungus. Why don't you guys come up and help me write jingles, and we'll all watch. All I'm hosting, we'll watch Cheap Trick play Budokan live in the studio. Okay. So we do that, you know, and we're sitting there with Jack Douglas and we're watching Cheap Trick play and there's like 30 people there. And then afterwards, you know, as you like, we go to a bar and then we, you know, we cut some like, you know, can you, can we curse on this? Oh, fuck yeah. Okay. So like a lot of the, a lot of the jingles we're cutting for this defunct now punk station on site radio was like, you know, we say fuck a lot. We say fuck a lot. We say fuck a lot. Fungus. So we would write it and cut it because he's not really a musician. (laughs) I can still remember that one and all this different stuff. Let's make a note not to have uh, uh, the the final analysis. That's the the way yesterday was written. Yeah. yeah. So we're cutting these things at at Sirius with Lou and we're hanging out and we go out as you do. And I don't know, we're, we're hitting our hop devil beers pretty hard. And we start talking about the idea of like a, a punk rock. You know, Buckeye fan band, mm-hmm. like, but it's like, but it's so hardcore. It's like borderline Unabomber. And the next thing I know, <laughs> I and we talked about it all night thinking and never lose. Like, I made a website for that band we were talking about. Like, what band were we talking about? <laughs> so then the Dead Shembuckers were born, and it basically Dude. became a, a website. And then we get together, and I'm telling you, we would we would have like a case of beer, and we'd, we'd be writing songs as we were cutting them. It was all a lark. And then all of a sudden, the website Lose in Town. We're gonna play Old Fields. We're getting like forty thousand, fifty, hundred thousand hits. That yes, Newport show was insane. that's legendary. Insane. That's legendary. Absolutely. As far as your venues go, and I, yep. I can think of all the top shows mm-hmm. that have have come through there, and you hear the ones that I've seen, ones that I haven't seen, but yep. people have talked about that was that Dead Schimbeckler show, legendary. We did Colin Oldfields one year. We played the next year at Little Brothers, and the third year we played the Newport sold out. The band we played three gigs. We didn't do any promotions, <laughs> and Watershed was opening up because that's just what we would do. Because it was just easier. So we were, ah, I see what you did. Well, we actually like, would wear different gear. And then I would always change my outfit. At the end of the shows, I would literally change back and stand in the back. So people really didn't think we were in the band. That way we would sell it like that. We would change oh, our costumes. That's great. But both, here we are, sold out the Newport, right? This is the one time in my life I might actually make more than $100 at a show. And Stop Bo Schembechler, it. Bo Schembechler dies like three hours uh, before yeah. showtime. The oh, mayor no. calls. Yeah. We changed the marquee. I mean, we're the dead Schembechlers. It's not family entertainment. And there it is. All the media is in here. So... We gave all the money to charity, and we did the show, but there was very, uh, no one taped much. You know, that was kind of pre-cell phone, and they were tight about that, the Newport. Like, there was HBO had some footage, and uh, a few ESPN, but there's not much footage of that show, but it was sold out, and it was insane. That Colin Gowell uh, in studio with us here. And, and remember, gang, you can access Vinyl Analysis at QFM96.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, all right, so, okay, so why isn't Cheap Trick in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Talk about that, and and I remember hearing about you doing this, and 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 it was a, it is a struggle, and it's amazing some of the bands that still aren't now. Cheap Trick is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but talk about that project. It was just a lark, you know. And I I feel so strongly about those guys being a touring rock band. I think everyone that's in a band knows Cheap Trick is better than their band. Almost everyone. I would say if you want to kill all the bands in town, just bomb a Cheap Trick show because like all the guys would go. You go to yeah. like see Cheap Trick at the Newport, and it'd be like. Happy from the mob and the new bomb Turks and Jerry, you know, from Guan, you know, and like everyone was there because you all love Cheap Trick because they're yeah. all, they're great, right? And I don't know, I got the idea. Let's just start a band called Why Isn't Cheap Trick in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? So I just booked the show in Cleveland before I even had a band. I just called up and said, "Here's my idea. We'll just do a show every year for free and play all Cheap Trick covers." And it, it was just funny, and that was the name. Yeah. But you had to do a print ad that just said, "Why Isn't Cheap Trick in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame?" And we did it every year, and we did a few different spots. You know, and it got good press, and it was fun. And it was just a fun way to be a fan and contribute. 
And, uh, you know, we never talked to the band about it, but we watershed played down with Cheap Trick a couple years ago. And Rick at the last, you know, he's, so they're really nice guys anyway. And he oh, yeah, man. pulled aside and he's like, I want to talk to you. And he like put it, you know, you could tell he's like, man, tell, tell the guys about that band and everything. And they're like, that's really cool. You know, that's funny. That's, I appreciate it. Like, man, this is fun stuff. But um, uh, it was just a way to be a fan and just, you know, that's, People like get down on the rock and roll fame, but like I don't get it because all it does is spur conversations about rock and roll. Yeah, you're talking music. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, oh, I mean, it's fun. Right. I mean, that that why is there a hall of fame for anything? Is so we can all argue with each other about who should be in and who shouldn't be, and that was just kind of our cause, and it was just fun to do it and be part of it. And but uh, they should have been. No, it's and a, way it, ahead of that. I mean, but let's. Yes, it's a yeah. fun discussion, but it, it's it pains me to think of some of the you know the alice coopers the yeah the cheap tricks yeah. and i mean the list goes on and on and on yeah. and on and yeah. on and they'll, i mean they'll i mean they'll get to them i guess and all that stuff but yeah cheap trick was one of like come on this is with great american rock band and they're still doing it they're still out there there's no there's no incomparable that you put up two albums this year Let, let's I mean, let's this is insane this is a this you is know? a great way to just keep it on cheap trick for a little bit uh go, let's go back to the 1985 album yep. uh, standing on the edge and and for me Colin, a little background on me. I, when I was growing up, we had this this place where uh, it was called the field. I mean, yeah. I re- it really is like the Sandlot. Yeah. And when school was out in the summertime, from the time we got up, uh, we we paused for lunch, and then we went out. We played baseball in this field awesome. throughout. I mean, this is the mm-hmm. way we grew up here in Marietta, Ohio. Mm-hmm. This group of kids. When MTV hit, and we were lucky enough to have MTV. Where I where I was living, that was it. We quit going outside. Our parents couldn't get us. I'm obsessed with with, and it's crazy because I think about like some of the classic artists. I mean, I've worked at QFM 96 for over 20 years. Led Zeppelin is an amazing band. I get more enjoyment out of Robert Plant's solo albums. Oh, I think yeah. about you know principal moments. I think about those videos that I watched. Deep Purple, dear God, think about their history. No, I I like Perfect Strangers, and I like <laughs> I like everything from the eighties. I lo- yeah. I I love that Rainbow Baby. She, oh, please, exactly. Can't happen here all night long. Tonight it's you, and I and and I get Jackson Brown fans who get pissed when they ask me what my favorite Jackson Brown song is. Lawyers in Love. They hate that. <laughs> I guess my point is tonight it's you for a lot of us. Uh, yeah, at Budokan, you think about the way Cheap Trick was and, and, and all yep. the hits they had. But for the MTV generation, tonight it's you, Colin. Fucking huge, man. Yeah. Huge. The, and so if you could tell us about, give us some of the history uh, uh, about this album, that song. I mean, uh, Tom wasn't even in the band on this album. No. You know, it's funny because Cheap Trick was in that spot where they, uh, yeah, there's a picture of Robin with his pink sweater. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, is this Japanese? Or well, this... see, that one has, yeah, that has, spelled has right. it's spelled right. You know you're not doing too well with the label when they they misspell yeah. Rick Nielsen's they called name him Nelson. On, on the cover. Oops. Um, but, you know, back then, you know, I'm about the same age and same thing with MTV. You know, they had, uh, you know, Cheap, Cheap Trick would have uh, albums would just kind of come and go and be hit or miss, right? So, like, one-on-one did pretty good with If You Want My Love and She's Tight. Those were MTV. Right. Yeah, and yeah, then, yeah. And then Next Position Please came out, which was a cool record. Power, Talk about a power pop record. Todd Rundgren pushed Cheap Trick in a pure power pop way, and everyone pretty much hated it. But it's a great record. Now I can appreciate it. But nothing from that record got played on MTV. Right. And nothing. Right. And then this comes out, and you got Robin with his glasses, and Tonight It's Use On, and it's a hit. 
And, you know, I think they played that beach show around this time. They did an MTV Spring Break concert. And, um, you know, this is when you would wait for your band's record. You'd go and ask, when's it coming out? I'm sure I took the bus down. And it was a really big deal to get the new Cheap Trick record. Were you cool with this record? You were a huge oh, Cheap Trick fan yeah. by this point. Now, you oh. were cool with this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And tonight I, it's you. I mean, let's, I mean, that's a perfect song, right? In the, in the moment. <laughs> You know, you're you know how it is with your heroes. You get you get your love your you get so amped up that every album's gonna be the best thing ever. I think I remember uh next position please, two things. I went down, took the bus down, I got it back, and I opened it up and there was a heart record in it. So they put the wrong record. So I had to uh, wait another week to get it. Oh shit, man. But I didn't appreciate that album was kind of a letdown because I was just like cheap trick and rocking and, and next position please is kind of clean guitars, this kind of thing. So when this record came out, I just love the song tonight at you. I mean, I just, you know, it just blew my mind. It was so awesome. And, you know, it's a little uneven, but man, I, I was, I'm so in love with Cheap Trick. It didn't matter. And, and like, you know, <laughs> right. obviously, like, she's got motion. I had no idea what was happening there. Uh, <laughs> Little Sister was fair, but I, you know, I, lo I love Standing on the Edge this time around. I liked a lot. I love, I like Cover Girl. You know, I just, when you're young and that, age, you just love your band so much, you'll just look through the faults. You know what I mean? So, oh yeah, but, but yeah. I'll tell you, to it's this called fifty-one fifty, Colin. But that's yeah, for another yeah, discussion. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Now the next record was a doctor, and that was a little bit tougher to swallow. You know, that was kind of like that album was like defending Kiss Crazy Nights, like when your band's oh, totally jumped oh, the shark, and yeah. you're like, oh, isn't that brutal? Oh, this is rough. You know. Um, but you know, and having done the only song we did off this, and why isn't Cheap Trick and Rock and Hall of Fame? Of course, was Tonight It's You because why would you do any other ones? And it was so hard to play and so hard to sing. But we, I'm like, we got to play Tonight It's You because it's the one song from that era. I think really, really from the whole 80s, really the, probably the only two cuts that would be in a time capsule to a normal person would probably be If You Want My Love and Tonight It's You, right? And those are probably the only yeah. two that are yeah, really... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, even, even someone who hates Cheap Trick, if you don't like those songs, you're just kind of being a dick. Like, right. you can't... <laughs> you know what I mean? You can't no, hate those no, songs. Man. It is great. You know? Is... you know, so... But I remember seeing them open up for R.E.O. Speedwagon around this time and they played Standing on the Edge and... Like it was not that yet. bad. That's not that bad of a no, song, though. Cool. I, I like that song. And then they played the they, these shows were amazing because this is when they played the fair outside. And Next Position Please had done so poorly, they were still selling all their Next Position Please swag, but it was a Standing on the Edge tour. Yeah, that's how Kinks tours used to be. Like the albums wouldn't be out, and they'd have the wrong shirt for the tour. But that's when you could go see Cheap Trick at the fair, and they would play a two p.m. show and an eight p.m. show. And I'd say those were probably the greatest shows of my life because you're outside. Cheap Tricks playing, all the rides are behind them, oh, and that man. was that was standing on right? the edge tour. Right, and they, they played Little uh. Sister. I like it, like it, like it when you talk, talk. Rick would do all that stuff, <laughs> and they played Wild Wild Women. They played Rock All Night. They played Tonight It's You. I think those off the record. So I saw them on that tour on this record, and you know, and, and here's the other thing about Cheap Trick is that compared to almost not every band, a lot of bands, they are so different live. Whatever you hear on record, when Cheap Trick plays live, they're always amazing like when they would get stuck in these ruts where they don't sound like themselves i'm like i could produce a cheap trick album tom plug in your bass rick plug in your guitar bunny play drums robin you sing and i'll be back like if they just play together they're magic's always, gonna happen always amazing so even these songs that aren't always great on a record because they're kind of produced and they're starting to use some you know gadgetry electronic right. stuff 80s, on here man. right yeah. it's 85 you know, but I mean, man, live live it's still just that yeah. tone it's still rock and roll and robin's still belting those lyrics out man it's it's, it's good stuff and colin cowell uh, joining us here in the uh, vinyl analysis studios and if you listen to vinyl analysis on itunes please leave comments go fuck yourself greg I, whatever just make a comment right yep
Okay, fair enough. Yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna let me slide. She's got motion. Note. No. <laughs> <laughs> earlier, I did. I went a little research on this. Go back and unless this is maybe this is fake news. But I, I swear to God, right? Rolling Stone, Dave Freaky gave this a five-star review in Rolling Stone. Go go to your computer and put in Standing on the Edge by Cheap Trick, and there's a five-star review for this record. How does it get five, Colin? How does it get five? I know, I'm the biggest homer in the world. Yes, and Two I and love half, pot a lot. And he but opens that's, with that's saying how ridiculous. she's got motion is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and the other thing is Jack Douglas produces, but it doesn't sound anything like a Jack Douglas record. So for him to be like, Jack Douglas is back, I guess Douglas left before the mix. Yeah, it wasn't mixed by him, because, you know, Jack Douglas does... The first record, he does rocks. He does nasty sound and rock and roll. And this is glossy. I and mean, this isn't a Jack Douglas sounding record. You okay. know? And and I've well, I've got you, Colin, and this is something else, because I've always wanted to tell you this. You know, my buddy Dan Orr and I, and, and actually Dan's gonna be on in a couple of weeks. We're gonna do the McCartney and, and Linda McCartney. I guess we gotta put yeah, her name on figure, there. Too. Right? Yeah. <laughs> he made her sound good on that Ram record. I don't that's that only a Beatle can do that. Yeah, boys. yeah, absolutely. Uh, but Dan Orr and I would always kind of talk, and whenever we'd bring up Cheap Trick, we we talked about the guys that we knew and who loved. We, you know, you're one of those cats. Oh yeah, that has always been flying that flag. Uh, my number two, Cheap Trick song. All right, all right. Stop this game, and that's oh. off all shook up. And and speaking of producers, yeah. hello. But, yeah, only but, George Martin. Yeah, right, calling him right. the second best he's band he's ever worked he's with. Done yeah. a, he's done yeah. a few. Uh, that's I don't know why I gravitate to these. I'm always, are you kind of a contrarian when it comes to like picking favorite songs? It's just I wasn't doing it to be different, but it's like this, the albums that really didn't take off. I love finding those those hidden yeah. gems, and I'm not saying yeah. tonight at you wasn't a big hit, yeah. and I'm not saying that stop this game is. Well, that's, I think tonight you was hit. I, I mean, I was. I don't think stop this game got any airplay. None. 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 I mean, you know, it's it, another, and, and it's another one too. It is. It's kind of quir- the production is quirky. I know, man. I get it. It's a weird record, but man, where was that on your list? Uh, Do you remember? Uh, <laughs> is that in like like oh, 200 uh, or? Top, top 30, I would okay, think. Okay, fair enough. Game. Okay, I'm, fair I'm, enough. I have to look. I don't know. But okay, it, fair enough. But, you know, we did that in the band, and uh, last time we played with them, they played it. I think, it's, I think you could make a case going back, and maybe it's a top 15, top 12. When they play that song live, or they open with it, it's so badass. Um, I know. Isn't that so the badass. greatest intro yeah. when you just hear Robin? Uh-huh. It's I mean, unbelievable. And it just kind of builds and up. And that Chicago Fest where he walks out on stage, the one you see from us, it's on, you know, it was on PBS, and they opened up with Stop Absol- This Game. Absolutely. And they go into Hello There. It's just like, that's just chills. It's, you know, uh, I would say, um, absolutely, I would say that's in the you know, top 12. I don't know if there's any other song on this record. I, I, I've always had a soft spot for uh, This Time Around. Uh, it's kind of a bowdy thing. And to be honest, how about you? Hey, my B, how, how about, about you? you? Yeah, it's I mean- kind of like, how are you? It's got that kind of heaven tonighty kind of feel. But, you know, I wouldn't go to a normal person and be like, you need to really spend a right. lot of time on this record. Right. Where I would say, all shook down, I'd say there's six or seven or eight tracks on that record that are pretty awesome when you go back. Like, World's Greatest Lovers, pretty pretty interesting. Obviously, Baby Loves to Rock. Um, I love you, honey, but I hate your friends. Like, that stuff's funky, you know what I mean? It's pretty cool. And before we get off of the cheap trick tip, if you will, um, what's up with Bunny? What happened there? What do you what right. do you know? What I can you tell us? I think it's all settled now and I didn't ask too much cuz you know knowing people in the camps and stuff you know so I don't even know what to say now but like it it just it was my impression that Bunny was kind of unhappy in the band. They were doing a lot of one hour sets, phoning it in. Bunny picked the songs. Bunny was a big power guy in that van, band. And at some I'd point I always heard he did the set yeah, list and like at he some said. some point and... I think him and Robin basically had a falling out. Where okay. Robin said, "Well, you know, I'm Robin's inner. I'd like to choose a few songs once in a while." <laughs> and it went south. You know, these guys have been in a band for a long time. And Bunny's a difficult, interesting guy. He's very sweet, 
but he's also very headstrong, you know, and I and I think they wanted to do more things. They didn't want to just go play the quickest shows for the kind of we were talking about the smithereens. Right. They were tired of just playing, hey, we get twenty grand to, to play a forty five minute set. And Bunny wanted to just kind of do the least amount of work for the most amount of money. Was my impression. This could okay. be off. No, no, I'm curious. When, when they got, the cat that would, and, when, no. and when you get Dax in that lineup, and Dax is an established drummer on his own, he's legit. You look at those set lists. They went from 10 or 12. They were playing probably a total of 15 songs total to 60 different I've heard, songs. I've heard other Trick fans say that, no, too. And so I, that, I, that's, Dax, yeah. Dax, and here's a really cool Dax story. Dax was playing in the band. It was pretty early on. And they were playing like maybe a corporate gig in town and I'm good their sound guy Bill Cozy used to work in Michigan so we're like buddies it'd be like if he was running Cheap Trick Sound now like we're buddies right we're gotcha so Dax just joined the band and we go out to a bar afterwards and it's Dax and like three crew guys and Bill and Dax travels with the crew they're not like you're not a full made man you're you know Bunny's you know he's in the band and they're all out it's their night off right these guys have worked for Cheap Trick for like 15 years we're the only ones in the sidebar or something downtown jukebox turns on Cheap Trick the, the crew guys are like, oh, no. Dax is like, they're still my favorite band. Dax was playing Cheap Trick in the bar on oh. their off night. And I said, man, you guys were great tonight. And he points at the CD. He goes, those guys were great tonight. Wow. And I'm like, man, talk about adding a guy who comes in with a fresh opinion. He's playing in his, I mean, he loves that band. That's his dad's band, Robin and Tom. And a second story, if I can bore you to tears with no, this. No, please we don't. We played with those guys on Father's Dude. Day one time, right? Okay. And we're young guys. And they get on, they're sound checking, and we're kind of standing there waiting to, to get our get our stuff on there. It's back in the day, and they come in, they finish the song, they're like, "Happy Father's Day," and they all take time to hug each other, like on stage, and like talk about like right. being a being a dad and being a family, and like I was just like, "Wow, you don't see that from many bands." Like to really like have a serious moment, and they all sat there and like gave each other a hug, and and I, and then later on to see Dax in that band. And I never wrote the story, but I, what I want to say is Dax, Cheap Trick would not have made the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame without Dax Nielsen. Because a lot of people have had this blowback to how Bunny, you know, I, and we all love Bunny. He's one of the great rock drummers of yeah, all time. Yeah, man. But it was time, Personalities. For, it was I mean, time just that, for a change. Okay. I mean, they, right after Dax left, they did South by Southwest, and they played that set list down there. That is an infamous and, show now. And everyone it reminded everybody, oh, wait, we love Cheap Trick. Like, I mean, I yeah. saw them play after Dax was in the band opening for Aerosmith, right, up in Cleveland. Like, Cheap Trick opens, you get the same set every night. I took my son there, and he's like, what are the chances we're hearing Hello Kitties tonight? I said, Owen, the chances are zero you're going to hear Hello Kitties. Because when Cheap Trick would open for an arena act, it would just be pretty much You knew what you were getting. They come out, and they start doing Gonna Race Hell. And I'm like, oh, they're doing, like, the Gonna Race Hell intro. Nice. They played all of Gonna Race Hell to open the show opening for Aerosmith. 12 minutes of it. Oh, that's, that's, And then they played Hello Kitties and Way of the World. Like, that's Dax's influence of, look, we can play whatever we want, and as long as we end with Surrender and I Want You to Want Me. <laughs> no, because their sets were so safe. That's true, man. I mean, I'm telling you, I could not, I mean, that is not the move they would oh, have made. Oh, that's great. And that was, that's Dax's influence. That's Dax giving them the confidence. Last time we played with them in Myrtle Beach, they played Stop This Game in the middle of the set. They played Rock and Roll Tonight. They played I'm Not the Only Boy. I mean, this, this, if you're a Cheap Trick fan, this is insane. They play they're like you go to a show, they play borderline. That's great. I mean, Colin, I just catalog. I love I love that man. So I, I just I'm I'm a huge fan of what Dax has brought to the band energy wise. And it's not a slight against Bunny. You know, um I've kind of turned around. People get this stuck in their mind that you gotta always have the original guys, but it's like Peter Chris just couldn't play drums anymore, man. Okay. This I, is this you know? is this okay. And Stop so right there, Colin. Too, but Stop they were right terrible. There. Stop right there. Because this is where I want it. This is, this is so crazy how dialed in we are. And I know we're running a little long, but I want to make sure we get this in. But you brought it up, and this is where I was going to go with this. 
and it's funny, guys in our age group, and we'll, I'll get into it a little more because I think it even it breaks down even further. And 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 Greg always says when you when you have these guys on and 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 the guys that you really bond with, it all started with Kiss. Oh yeah. Okay. So it. Here's the you're deal. Show and, each other and, your Ace Freely tattoos. Well, yeah, here we'll, in a we'll, get, we'll get to that yeah, in a little bit. If I had a tattoo, we'll get to that. Ace did that on my arm. Okay. I had the fake I had him do his eye makeup on my arm. I used, oh really? Oh yeah. I made sure when I interviewed Ace Freely that I said, "Can you please put your eye makeup on my arm?" I signed my name a star my whole life, like Paul Sam. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I just stopped recently because it's embarrassing. Like I did it my oh, whole life. Oh yeah. Adult. Arch Madness. When I do the S's, it's the kiss. Yeah, yeah, I, I do it all time. Grade, Colin with a star gal. Oh yeah. Yeah. So now, now here's 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 the deal. Now. I'm a, I was born in '71. I'm '69. So okay, right there, yeah. But you're a Kiss Alive guy. That's where it started. Absolutely. Okay. I am Destroyer, Love Gun, Kiss Alive Two. That's that's when I hopped in. That's all the same era though to me. That's, uh, okay, that's fair enough. Fair stuff. enough. Fair enough. And that's that's when I hopped in. And 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 I even uh, I don't know if you know who Michael Hannon is. Uh, mm-hmm, but he was yeah. in, he was in a band called Salty Dog. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah, he I know did, he is. yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, worked absolutely. at the record store. You, you're right, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, American Dog. Yeah. And I kind of I I posed this to him. I said, look, I feel because Michael's about seven or eight years older than me. But yeah. it, it, once again, Kiss so Kiss he, fanatic. He, oh, he is. And Most I guys asked a him. Older than me hate Kiss. Okay, because here's the deal. I asked him if he thought the guys like me, those six and seven year olds. I mean, I had in the kindergarten. I had a Kiss lunchbox. Of course. I, I mean, I was every Halloween. I was Ace Fraley. It is what it is. I blamed my age group. I blamed us for making it. We were the young kids that were coming out and kind of ruining it. He said no. They did it themselves. Oh, yeah. They did it themselves. Um, but yeah, go ahead. Talk uh, about your oh, love of Kiss. I mean, oh, I've I talked was, about it on this podcast enough. It. it was. It was. I was in first grade. First grade. And let the kids down the street, you know, were had records, you know, they're working on their cars, you know, the neighborhood teenage kids. And they were listening to, like, you know, Aerosmith and Rush and Kiss and BTO and stuff and, uh, like, Not Fragile and 20, you know, and, but Kiss Alive, man. I put, dropped the needle on Deuce and it was just like, well, that's all I'm doing. You know, I just, I loved it so much and I was just so obsessed with Kiss. So then Destroyer came out and that was the greatest thing and the Paul Lynn Halloween special. Mm. And then, you know... I, you know, it's all like, and I just couldn't understand why every band didn't have makeup. It seemed odd that other bands didn't wear makeup. I'm an ace guy, so obviously you're a Paul guy. Are you a Stanley guy, or who are you? Like Gene, who, who was your? I was probably an ace guy growing up. Although I've really grown to appreciate Paul. I think Paul's the easiest one to hate, and he's he's the most important member. You, you ready? Know what I mean, are you ready for this? You know, so the one of the first uh, vinyl analysis, and I made Michael Hannon do it with me, and that was Paul Stanley's solo album. Oh, and Dan Orr so still good. gives me a hard time about that because I've always that is my f- that's oh. that's one of my favorite Kiss records. Right. Tonight you belong to me. Oh, and would you, li- would you, would you like to know me better than any oh, better Colin. than any Raspberry song ever? Thank written. you. And you heard that Power Pop nerds. That, Paul Stanley wrote a song better than any Raspberry song. And I'm glad you brought the yeah. Raspberries up because we were yeah. talking Power Pop and we didn't bring we, them up. But you were exactly right with I, oh. I'm gonna drop a plug real quick. But on Pencil Storm, the website I do, we did a whole Kiss week, and I did a whole story about why Paul Stanley. Stanley's is the best solo album, and it gets tons of hits. My man, and, and look, my man, look, it gets a lot of heat from the because the Ace solo they do. album is a- really it was good. huge. And I'm an Ace yeah, guy. I like too. I'm an Ace guy, but, but Paul's this is my favorite solo album. They just album. picked the wrong single with "Love Me, Touch Me," whatever. It's the mm-hmm. terrible. It's awful. Uh, yeah, they just, yep. they just, they just, you know, Paul, a little too effeminate there, folks. We're already aware of it. And Gene they kinda, still gives him a hard time about that oh, too. I'm sure. 
But uh, no, I think I think that you know that that record, and then through you know obviously Destroyer, you know Rock and Roll over Love Gun, even Dynasty. I saw him in the, my mom took me to Cleveland to see him on the Dynasty tour, and I was probably in fourth grade. Man, I'd wear my Kiss shirt. I took I took a uh, Kiss Alive into Show and Tell in second grade, and I got in trouble because like it's hotter than hell was you know oh, one yeah. of the songs and stuff. But I was just totally into it. I would say looking back now, well, going back to the change of lineups. And having been in a band like Watershed, where we have now gone through a couple of different lineup changes, I am more sympathetic. You know, sometimes you just got to make a change. You just got to do it. It's but don't not... wear Aces makeup. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> I, I I get it there. I, but but don't wear fucking Aces makeup. I, I guess I'm torn about that because here's why I'm torn. Because you know, Kiss is still Kiss. I hope Ace being compensated. But if he couldn't do it or wasn't capable of doing it, I can see where. And I'm not saying Gene and Paul are sympathetic characters. They're certainly not. Oh, dear God. No. But at the same time, to go out and see a Kiss show, even if someone else is wearing it for my son and people that age, it's still really great. It's still really great. Fair it's really enough. fun. But the drummer, I could care less about. But without Ace is the key member in that band. Ace is what gives them their New York Dolls edge. Ace gives them their authentic- yeah. authenticity. He does. Live. It's dirty I mean, with Ace. Gene and Paul and Ace together are very cool. Without Ace, it's weird. You know, and Ace's solo shows, now that he's kind of gotten his stuff together, have been so great. I saw him at the Newport. It was so awesome. Yeah. You yeah. know, and it's like, those three to stand on a stage together, it's just got a power that's, you know, that you, uh, you know, I'm not saying they're the best band in the world, and there's lots of reasons not to like want? Kiss. They are the best band in the world. You wanted the best, you got the best. You know, it says it in all the fucking time. I, I would, and I would say this. <laughs> among, among, it's kind of like talking about the Cheap Trick songs, If You Want My Love and Tonight You. If you don't like those, you're just, you're just being an asshole, right? But... I would say of all the Kiss records, Destroyer is truly a great hard rock record. I've really gone back because my son's gotten old, you know, and I listen to Kiss anyway, but that's a record you could put on next to any record done by anyone, Metallica or Alice Cooper or whoever, any hard rock record, and that record is as good as any hard sure rock is, record man. ever made, whether you like Kiss or not. And sure I can is. see you can poke holes in a lot of the other records. But anyone who doesn't admire Detroit Rock City, King of the Nighttime World, God of Thunder, Shout Out Loud, and the darkness and the weirdness, yeah, it's that's a great record by any standard. I don't want to hear it's a good record by Kiss. I, that's a great record by any standard, and I take exception to people that write off Kiss on, I that, can't, on that thing. I can't hear Detroit Rock City without it going into King of the Nighttime World. Yeah. It, it's just not happening. I, I listened to The Elder three weeks ago, yeah. Colin, so that's just lets you know where, where the hell I'm at. I, I probably listened so, to it. So, Mr. Blackwell. I bet I listened to it five weeks ago. Uh, yeah, okay. So all right, there. all right. Down at the coffee shop, we get on some tangents. I'm closing I up. I love I'm, it. You know, I don't even care. And Ace's solos on there are pretty good. You're so. damn right, man. Yeah. And and it is kind of time to to wrap it up. But I, I wanted to make sure, Colin Gowell, that I that we talked Kiss at the end. Oh. Because I know you're a fan, and I'm a fan, and it's just, it's one of those things, I'm man. Either doing, in, we yeah. can talk about it, or we can talk about how much we don't like them. In fact, I have an idea for Pencil Storm. I want to do a fantasy draft of Kiss songs from the non-makeup era. I think that'd be fun. That would be fun. You know, that would be we'll fun. We'll get some guys, have a draft online, and we could publish it. Let's, Go through all that. And, and Colin, if you would, let, let's, real quick, uh, tell us about your coffee house. Tell us about your website. Tell us, you know, right. what, what what's going on, man. Get us, let's let's put a bow on this sub bitch. Website, PencilStorm.com. PencilStorm, go there. Tons of writers, bunch of nerdy music stuff. Uh, Collins Coffee in UA. I'm down there working with that clever name. Not open nights, but there almost every day. Got a bunch of rock and roll books. And uh, Watershed's playing, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I'm playing Four String Brew every Thursday residency till the rest of the time. Uh, Thursdays at 9. Four String Brew yeah. uh, on 6th Avenue. Can Greg and I come over yeah, and just like drink? It's 9 and... o'clock every Thursday, and there's no cover. So just come down to Four String Brew Tap Room on 6th Avenue, and we can talk. We can debate. Crazy Nights versus Asylum. Whatever you want to get into. If you want to get into 
OU812 versus no, I don't even down. want to talk about that. that no, no, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Feels good, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, doesn't yeah, it feel so no. good? But yeah, so I'll be I'll be at Four String Brew with my buddy Dan's place every Thursday at 9, coffee shop or pencil storm, and you know, I'm around. If I come to Four String and I drink a lot of beer and I yell, play I Stole Your Love, is that cool? It's cool. I probably won't play it, okay, but I think it's enough. very cool. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Colin Gowell, thank you so much, man. Oh, it's it's blast, awesome man. to do this, and and we're gonna we're gonna do it again soon. Hey, you whenever you want it, man. It's All awesome. Right. Hey, don't forget, gang. Uh, the Spotify playlist. It is a nice accompaniment uh, to vinyl analysis episodes. Uh, you can search right, Greg, for uh, Archie Vinyl Analysis. That's a great search to use on that, isn't it? Yep. There you go. Hey, for producer Greg Hansberry, I am Arch Madness. And this has been Vinyl Analysis. My God, dude, he just read my mind.